The good old clap, take one. That's right. How many of you knew what you wanted to be when you were seven years old? I did. I wanted to be world champion. Hey, is there honesty involved in this podcast? Can we be honest? You can shut your fucking lips. And then I'll just say, put them up once. Let's go. He's like, you look too pretty on the wave. Get ugly. We can talk about DMT if you want. It's out of your boxes. All right. So we are here. We are live. The Rib Curl WSL Finals window is open. We have a lay day for the first day. And as promised, the lineup is here. The lineup is here where I started in the surfing world at the uh, Rip Curl San Clemente retail shop. So a big round of applause to everybody who's here for the retail shop. <laughs> thanks, to, uh, thanks to everyone that turned up in person. Thanks to everyone that's watching on Instagram Live or listening to this after the fact at, at whatever point it goes up. But this is fun. Um, we have none other than the three-time world champion, Mick Fanning, for the first lineup live. Round of applause for Mick. I, I was joking with Mick the last time we did this, which is supposed to be 30 minutes. Last time I went for like three hours, but we'll keep it tight, is that he probably talks to me more now than he did before he retired, which is probably convincing you to go back on tour, maybe. The, the truth is that Dave just wouldn't come and talk to me. Oh. So, uh, yeah. Salty times. <laughs> well, we're, we're here in one of the, the Rip Curl meccas. Rip Curl's got these, these hubs around the world. They've got Hasegor in, in France. They've got Torquay in, in Australia. And they've got San Clemente here in the U.S. I'm curious, how long have you been signed with Rip Curl? Uh, I first got signed up when I was 16. Um, it was April of two, uh, 1998 back in the 1900s. Um, and uh, yeah, so what's that? That's um, 23 years. The, the wetsuits have gotten a little bit better. You know what? They've always been pretty amazing. Um, and that was a big thing um, when I first changed. I was, I was on Quicksilver before and then came over to Rip Curl and it was like when they were doing the shoulder, no zips, um, it was just Velcro and I was just so psyched. Um, and my brother was just a little bit bigger than me and he would steal all my wetsuits. <laughs> and, and so it was like, you'd come in and you're like, oh, I'm running home from school thinking you've got a dry wetsuit and it's just sopping wet because my brother would steal it all. I, I, I came over here on Monday night to have dinner with the, the retail crew here and, and they're great people, but they're asking me, they said, what was it like when you worked here? 25 years ago and I said oh I was still minimum wage but we got a wetsuit every year and that was a big deal but they made us trade the wetsuit in to get the new one mm -hmm. but at the moment um geez the run of wetsuits I got the e7s the e-bombs the flash bombs unbelievable what do you wear on the day-to-day um, I'm E7s, E6s, whatever they give me really. Um, I'm not, now that I, I don't compete, I'm not as precious. Um, I just grab whatever. They just send me a box of stuff and I just wear whatever's dry. Um, so, yeah, that, but we've sort of been playing around with a few different ones. There's a new one that's just come out, the E7 Heat Seeker, which is um, it's extra warm but extra stretchy too. So that, I was wearing that at home actually. It's not even cold at home, but I was just wearing it because it was dry. <laughs> You're here in San Clemente. You've actually kind of moved here. But I'm curious, if, if you signed with Rib Curl back in the 1900s, as you put it, when was the first time you came to San Clemente? 
First time I came to San Clemente was, I think it was 99. Um, and we came over for the US Open. Um, and, and I remember we came down, it was, I was with Zane Harrison at the time and they did, it was like one of the first ever Grom searches and we did it at Uppers and it was when I first met Rusty Long and Greg Long and the Long family and, and they got us into uh, Uppers so we, and we jumped in the back of uh, Rusty's dad's truck because he was the lifeguard there and that was, yeah, that was the start of it. As a rip curl team rider, do you come in here, do you grab your wax, do you grab your equipment? Um, yeah, yes and no. I, I try and stay away from surf shops. Um, yeah, I, I, I'm lucky that everything pretty much gets sent home. Um, so, but yeah, when, when I do need stuff, this is where I come. You, the world title deciding Rip Curl WSL Finals is happening in the next few days. We've got great swell on offer. This is actually a championship tour event that you've won twice. 2009 and 2015. Mm -hmm. Do you remember who you beat both those seasons? Uh, 2009 was Dane Reynolds and 2015 was Adrian D'Souza. What do you think about Lower Trestles as a world title deciding venue? I, I personally like it. Um, you know, obviously there's people that say that Pipeline should be the place and, and sometimes I find that Pipeline it's sort of you can get really lucky out there there's, there's it's not always perfect and it's um it can be really difficult um you know you see the guys like the guys who should be winning all the time you know john john only won for the first time this year you know and he's arguably the greatest guy out there so it shows you that it doesn't always go your way where trestles is is all about performance um you're going to get served up a, a pretty um, similar canvas to, to each person. And um, if it's consistent, I don't think there's any place that's more high performance. And it can, it can hold a lot of different styles of surfing too, which I think is perfect for the top five on each men and the women. I had this conversation last week with uh, Kolohe and Dino and we were talking about the idea that, you know, inside everyone's heart as a surfer, there's sort of a wave, right, that they're super familiar with, that in a way that they own um, in the non-sort of colonial sense. You don't have to say this about yourself, but obviously Snapper Rocks would be on there for you, um, Duramba. But places like Jeffrey's Bay and Bell's Beach and even at points Chopu where you were unquestionably one of the best, if not the best surfer out there, did you ever feel that way at Lower Trestles? Um, trestles was always a hard one. Um, you know, I guess when you're surfing against someone like Kelly Slater, who's won out there since he was four years old, um, and then also guys like Andy Irons, um, Taj, uh, Geordie, Dane, mm. Parker, there was, there was such a, an array of guys. I never felt like I was the best guy out there. I... I felt like I could compete with those guys and, you know, make the right decisions at the right time. But um, I never felt like I was the best. It does feel like that is a, a big difference, though, between surfers who make it to the CT and then surfers who win CT events and win world titles. At some point, 
it seems like the ones that do have to outgrow where they came from and be very, very comfortable in places that maybe they weren't when they started. I think you were you were really candid about spending a lot of time in Tahiti uh, because that wasn't some place that you were comfortable with in the beginning and then you ended up winning the event. Would you say that that's still fair with the tour that we have today? I think so. You know, obviously this year has been a, a, a lot different. Mm. You know, everyone sort of just got thrown up these wildcard events. Um, and But, you know, people going down to Tabara and surfing that point in Mexico, you know, there was people that felt really comfortable there. Right. Um, but, yeah, look, it, it's one of those things. I, I think there's – it doesn't matter how many times I went to Pipeline, it always felt like I was relearning each and every time. Mm. Um, Chopu was the same. Um, and, you know, obviously we don't have lefts on the Gold Coast. So it was like you're relearning how, you know, where do you practice for Chopu on the Gold Coast? There isn't really a place. Um, but so, yeah, it was, it was, I think you all, it doesn't matter what spot you go to, you're always trying to fine tune it or reinvent yourself just a little bit each time you go back to that place. Uh, obviously you'd sort of look back over, I, I was a big writer, so I'd write notes on what was working at the time and what was, um, you know, my little lineup points and stuff like that. So I'd revisit those each time I went back to a spot, but then I'd look at the footage and I'd like to add just little things. So you're always trying to, um, yeah, just up your game up each and every year. May I ask on on the note taking? Is this like a big ledger with a ton of notes, or are these little post-it notes that you put on the mirror? Um, I used to just have a book. Yep. It was just a just a, a scribble book, and um, yeah, I'd probably probably have about only three pages per event. I wasn't, um, and then I'd have a different journal for whatever else was going on in my brain. <laughs> Now, you, uh, you famously came out of retirement briefly this year for a wildcard stop. Can you tell us a little bit about that experience and, and would you be open to wildcard spots in the future? Um, yeah, look, it was, it was sort of a, a, a long build-up, to be honest. Um, if, if, if I tell the full story, it's sort of like I got my knee reconstructed in 2019 and, um, and it was... Going into 220, um, I really wanted to get back to a place where I, you know, it was comfortable on my knee and stuff like that. And um, and then we also had the the surf off between uh, Leo and and Mikey. And so the WSL granted, um, I think it was three events. They were going to have three events where they got wild cards into both. And one of those events was Bell's. Um, I wouldn't have been ready for bells at that time, but um, yeah, the guys at Ripco were like, "We've got a wild card for um, J Bay. Would you go over and um, you know coach Crosby?" And I was like, "I'm not going to coach Crosby. If I'm going, I'm going in it." <laughs> and so I was working towards that, and then obviously the pandemic hit, and um, so that got scrapped, and then. Um, I came back from from here last year and I was in quarantine. It was when the pipe masters were on mm. and um, I was on the treadmill and something came through my brain and I was like, should I do bells? And because I just wanted to get myself back to a place, you know, have like a goal to get my body back to 100% because I mm. felt like it was lagging a little bit. Right. And um, so, <laughs> yeah, as history has it, 
pandemic got in the way again and we didn't have bells and um i was like oh well that's it i'm out it's really interesting to me that you would look at a ct wild card as something where you could say i want to take this wild card i want to do the ct event so i can feel better physically you know as motivation i think that's really interesting do you think that you would ever take a wild card for any other reason is there any kind of rocky balboa stuff in the basement things that you want to still prove no no. <laughs> <laughs> Look, I go surfing with these guys and they're, they're incredible. Um, you know, I, I, you get people going, oh, you've still got it. And it's like, yeah, but try and put that in 30 minutes is, is a whole different story. Um, you know, I did Narrabeen and, and to be really honest, when I put my wet shirt on in Narrabeen to go and compete, I felt nothing. Mm. I didn't have a desire to just win at all costs or anything like that and and I think that's what you need to be at that level um you know I guess if I was going to take a wild card in the in the future it would have to be at a really good wave where I was excited to go and put on a performance but um yeah look there's nothing where I'm sitting there going oh I'm going to come back and show these guys it's more about I just want to put on performance for myself I mean, you had such a phenomenal career. I, I was listening to these two guys talk the other day about the lifespan of, of hip hop artists. And they're like, it's really, you know, it's like six to eight years. It's almost the same for directors. And we talk about that a lot when it comes to athletics and, and surfing in particular. And this year um, we had a lot of retirements and non-retirements um, and surfers whose future is a little bit unclear, right? We've got Julian is, is sort of non-retired. Jeremy's non-retired. You know, Owen's up in the air. And these are all surfers that have been competing at the elite level for most cases, like 10 to 15 years. You yourself were on tour for a long time. If, if you had to kind of guesstimate what the average span would be for some of these surfers, how long do you think it would be? Um, yeah, it, it's funny. It's, I think the, the main window that most people are, it's anywhere between seven and 12 years, I would say. Yep. Um, and, but then you've got guys that are on and off and on and sure, off. Yeah. And, and it sort of starts eating into it. There's, there's been people that I've thought had been on tour for way longer, but they hadn't. <laughs> right. Um, but, yeah, I guess it, it's, it's a tough one. Um, you know, it's, it's a, an extremely scary thing to go, look, I'm going to put the jersey down for a bit. Right. Um, so people just keep going and then other people are like that's their identity so it's it is a tricky one it's a hard one i think just as like a fan myself and i've I've had this conversation with a lot of other people in similar situation the 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 media surfing industrial complex kind of hype machine does such a huge job with literally every surfer that comes through that even surfers that have amazing careers you know julian wilson's a pipe master and a triple crown winner and multiple ct winner people are like, well, he didn't win the title. He's not done, you know? And similar with someone like Jeremy Flores, who is probably anointed as the next Kelly Slater at some point. People are like, well, he can't retire. He's still a title contender. But Mm. I think there's a little bit of dissonance between how people are marketed and just the realities of how hard the tour is and how at the end of the year, there's only one surfer that's going to win a world title every year. And there's another 35 on the men and 17 on the women who are thought they were going to win the start of the year too. Exactly. Um, you know, the, however many surfers there are in the world, there's only one winner. It's the same as um, golf or, or tennis or all these different things. There's only one winner. Mm-hmm. And, um, 
yeah, look, and it's it's so much goes into winning a world title. So much goes into um, everything that the build up. Like it's not just a one year thing. I feel like it's it's an eighteen month, you know, twenty four month sort of build up to to get to that point. Um, but yeah, it's it's extremely tough, and you know, people. You know, I guess people sit there and say, well, he didn't win, but he did do all these other incredible things. So it comes down to personal preferences. Is like, am I okay with walking away? Or, right. you know, it's, you know, you sort of look at it as like, like Taj is all right. <laughs> you know, he's, he's still happy. He still rips. He's still everyone's favorite surfer. Um, so, yeah, it's just the way you personally look at it. You mentioned that the, the title runs are, are not right away, but they built over 18 months. Is there anyone that's not currently in the WSL Final Five from this season that you think maybe be building towards a run next year, men or women, or both? Um, yeah, there's a few. Like, um, it, it's sort of hard like, for, to sit there and pinpoint someone um, it's sort of hard because you just start putting pressure on them way right. too early. Um, but like for me, it was um, in 2006, like I thought that was going to be my year. And, and I actually, at the first half of the year, had an absolute shocker. But then I changed a couple of things and it, I ended up doing no better than a fifth for the last, I think it was like five or six events. And that gave me the confidence to go, all right, I've got that consistency there. You know, I, if I put a couple of wins on the board, then that's that's there. So I went into 2007 confident in myself that I could do it. Um, but that was my build-up starting from J-Bay the year before in July. Did you ever feel any external pressure from someone anointing you as maybe this is your year to win? You just mentioned it. Like sometimes if you pinpoint someone, it puts too much pressure on you. At any point in your career, did you be like, oh, don't say that? <laughs> yeah, 100%. Um, probably the, the biggest moment was, um, you know, when, when Parker won Snapper and then Dingo won Snapper. And it's like, mm. oh, well, Mick's got to win the next year, you know? Right, yeah, yeah. Uh, and, yeah, it took a few more years because <laughs> I, I just put way too much pressure on myself thinking that that was what was going to happen. That happens so much in surfing, right? Like, I mean, someone like Michelle Perez in Tahiti or... Um, even before last year, like Jeremy competed in Hasegore for his whole career, right? Mm -hmm. And I, I, you see that so often that the home field advantage in surfing is not always there because you're like, man, everyone in town wants me to win this event. That's just unnecessary as opposed to just rolling in and, and taking it from someone else. Yeah, um, it, it's definitely real. It's because, you know, it, like we would, we would finish up in Hawaii and you'd come home and you're like, oh, I just want a break from talking about surfing or, you know, thinking about the tour. And the moment you landed in Coolangatta, it was like, so you win in Snapper next year? And it's like, fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> well, on the topic of pressure, I feel like we've got a unique scenario here at the Rip Curl WSL Finals. We've got a unique format. We're going to be deciding the world title in one day between the five best men and the five best women. We have the fifth, uh, fifth seed and the fourth seed surfing. The winner then surfs against the three seed. The winner then surfs against the two seed. And then the winner surfs against number one seed, best two out of three. How many times you said that? 
would not know if I stumbled. <laughs> <laughs> so I want to get your mindset on the final five, right? Because you're actually probably really close with all the finalists in a way, but someone like Steph Gilmore on the women's side, who, who you've obviously spent a long time with, you guys are almost neighbors. She has to start the finals from the very beginning to make it through to the world title deciding heats against the number one seed, Chris Moore. On the same ticket, Gabriel Medina is the number one men's seed. He's waiting in the finals for whoever turns up. What are the mindsets that you would recommend for both of them approaching the day? And, and for your own benefit, where would you prefer to be? Um, building momentum or waiting for the challenger? Um, I feel like everyone's different. Mm. For, for someone like Steph, um, I sort of like her starting in the first heat. Uh, reason being, if she was sitting around, she, she has um, been susceptible to nerves before mm. and, you know, watching someone come through, she'd be like, oh, yeah. you know, trying to overthink it maybe a little bit yep. where now she's just got to go and perform. Right. And that's when I feel like she's at her best is when she's surfing and just surfing for herself and not thinking. Um, so I like Steph there, um, you know, and also too, you've seen – if you go back through the Trestle's events, mm. she sort of doesn't start off at 100%. She, she builds, builds a lot. Yeah. And so, like, if she, if she builds up until that final, um, I think that, you know, she'll be dropping nines every wave. So I, I really don't mind that. Gabe on the other side is a different beast. I don't think he has nerves I think he's just just straight pure um, graphite through his veins or something, <laughs> and um, he's he loves a big moment. He like some people shy away from big moments. He takes it all in, and he's going to show you how iconic he can actually be. So yeah, he he's a whole different beast. Um, for me personally, you know. I would probably rather sit in the in the final. Like I would sure. rather be where <laughs> Gabe would be because you're going up against the top five. Yeah, these are the best five surfers in the world at this day, and there is no room for error. There is no room for warming up. It's bang on. So um, yeah, I wouldn't want to take those risks. Well. While we're on the topic, we're going to play my favorite game, which is the time machine. Time machines go backwards and forwards. So we're going to put you on the record and we'll predict who, who we're going to find out who Mick Fanning predicts is going to get through each heat. Oh, we've done this. Yeah, yeah. We're going to do it again. <laughs> I've done this like three times. <laughs> I'm going to change my answers. Yeah. All right. So match one of the women's is Joanne DeFay and Stephanie Gilmore. Who you got? Um, in the interviews I've done previously, <laughs> I've picked Steph, but... I think this is this is an extremely um, different heat in the fact that, like as I said before, if Steph starts off slow, Joanne's always on point. Mm. So it's it's it, it's a really close one, and and been watching Joanne um, down down Trestles, she's been on fire. Mm. She she's really stepping up her game. So it's it's splitting hairs. They're they're such different competitors as well. One's all about, you know, getting in the flow and the other one's like not scared to get down and, and gritty and, and really work for it. So, um, but look, I, I would probably get shot if I didn't pick my hometown girl, so I'm going to go with Steph. All right, so you get Steph. I'm glad you picked. We needed to hit 88 miles an hour for this thing. 
All right, men's match one, Morgan Sibillic, Connor Coffin. This is another one. This one's another big splitting hairs thing. Um, it's one where, um, look, I wake up each and every day and I change my pick. <laughs> it depends who I've seen surfing that day. Um, they're both so tight. Um, yeah, he's... It's a flip of a coin for this one. Um, you know, I just saw Connor out there. He'd probably bash me if I... So, <laughs> is he still here? He's still uh, here. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So are you still here? I'll go Connor today. <laughs> Morgan's probably watching this on Instagram Live. He's be parked outside your house tomorrow. Yeah, he might, he might be having a sleep. All right. So, so, okay, so we're now into women's match two. You've got Steph Gilmore meeting Sally Fitzgibbons. Yeah, this one... Um, as I said, if Steph starts warming up and getting on fire, then this, this heat's got um, fireworks in it as well. Um, once again, very different competitors. Sal's very methodical. You know, she has a routine and all that sort of stuff. And Steph just needs to go surfing. Um, yeah, we're, I'm not even going to dive into it. I'll probably just pick the home girl again. Once again... <laughs> I like it. All right, so yeah. Steph's getting through that one. Men's match two, you've got um, lineup live physical guest, Connor Coffin, mm -hmm. up against uh, the number three seed, Felipe Toledo. Is yeah, go still, outside. We got still here? Yeah. Get out of here. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah look, I... Uh, <laughs> it's... Um, it's hard talking in front of me. <laughs> you know what? Once again, this is, I'm looking at the forecast. Like if it was three to three foot trestles, you know, you'd sort of tend the way of fleet. But I've seen Connor surf over the last couple of weeks, and and you know, it, it, either him or Morgan, if they get through. I feel like they they've got more of a chance against Philippe in the bigger waves. Right. Um, and so, yeah. I once again, it's I wake up and I keep changing my picks and and this and that. And um, it's not because he's here, but I'm I'm going to pick Connor again for this one. Just just from the surfing that I saw over the last couple of weeks, it's been um, even just the last few days. He he's definitely stepped it up again. That's worth a round of applause. We've got Connor Coffin. I look forward to the balance of the final five turning up to tomorrow's lineup live for this exact reason. Where are we? We've got Steph over Sally. We're now into women's match three. Steph Gilmore, Tatiana Weston-Webb. It's going to be at lowers. It's going to be well overhead. So those are the other things we take into consideration for this. Yeah. Um, fucking hell. This sucks. <laughs> um, yeah, look, I think... This one will be another extremely close one. Um, the it it depends if it's um, how steep the rights are mm -hmm. and how big the sections are. I think for for Taddy, yep. Um, you know her back end's phenomenal. She's done incredibly well at um, Margaret River um, when she won Margaret River this year, um, but then she's got the lefts as well. So she's sort of got two two weapons um but you know you put stephanie gilmore on a right hand wall it's pretty hard to bet against her so um yeah once again hometown girl all right 
Last one I'm going to ask you, because we're going to leave the finalists up for the, the university side. Connor Coffin up against Italo Ferreira. Um, yeah, fuck. <laughs> Is he still here? <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, yeah, look, I, I think this... It's, it's funny when you go down and watch and watch the surfing that people are doing. Um, you know, Italo's just like everywhere. And yeah. um, what I've seen... He's done, had amazing moments, but I haven't seen him put a full wave together just yet. Right. Um, so, yeah, that's that would be the only, the, yeah, it's sort of a hard one. But then on top of that, he's got those huge airs, and we've seen those airs come into it. Um, do you think they're going to play as much if it's overhead lowers, though? What do you think? Those guys can do airs anywhere. Yeah. <laughs> and, yeah, it's... I don't know. It's, it sucks. <laughs> it, it, look, like we were talking before, you've got the best five in the world. Yeah. And so anything can happen. Um, yeah. It, I don't know. Oh, oh, I'm going to snuff it. He's still here. I'm going to go for Connor again. <laughs> I like it. I like it. So we're, we're going to end the time machine there. We've got Mick Perfect. Fanning's future predictions. We've got Steph Gilmore up against Carissa Moore for the women's world title. And Connor Coffin up against Gabriel Medina for the men's world title. A couple more questions, and we got some Instagram questions. We might throw it out to the audience if they want to check one in here too. You're here for a few more months. Mm -hmm. What are you getting up to? Um, yeah, I've got um, obviously working at this event. Um, I've got some other work. I'm trying to trying to figure out how we can do a search trip. Um, Mason's just getting into town, so hopefully put a search trip together. Um, and then, yeah, just sort of, what else? I've got other, other companies I've got to work for as well. So it's sort of pretty much working in between, uh, looking after a little fellow with the family. True or false. You are the best surfer to ever ride a mayhem round nose fish. <laughs> false. I disagree highly. I disagree highly. Yeah. I mean, it's been really cool watching you ride alternative stuff. I, I've, I think having gotten to work with you for a long, long time, I don't think I saw you write anything except a thruster until 2015. And then every time I see you do anything on something different, it's, it's just so cool to see world-class surfers riding different equipment. And you must get a kick out of it now that you're, you're not on tour. Thanks. Um, yeah, I've, I've been really enjoying it. Um, you know, I, I came over and didn't bring any boards. Um, and DH sent me a pack. Yep. But um, yeah, I was sort of like, Mayhem made me a bunch of boards and uh, like regular short boards. And I was like, is there any fishes or have you got anything I can play around on? And then I think he ripped one out of a shop. I've got this stock standard um, round nose fish and I can't get off it. Yeah. Uh, between that, my twin fins um, that I've been working with, with DH, I've just been really enjoying it. I, it's like I go surfing on my regular boards and it's, it's like I'm not learning anything new where every time I ride this different equipment, I'm learning. So it's, um, yeah, just sort of learning new lines and learning um, what turns, what fins and what can happen at the drop of a hat. <laughs> and so it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's been really refreshing for me. And you get a few more waves at lowers if you're on a mayhem. That's what I've been told. Part of the part of the program. Yeah, I just tell everyone I'm on a mayhem. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, slip in a couple of DHs there. 
Well, before we go, we've got we've got a few questions from Instagram. But but before, does anyone in the shop have a question for Mick Fanning? No. Awesome. Oh, well, okay. Come on up. Come on up. <laughs> Here you go. How you going? What's your name? Hey, my name's Chris. Chris. Uh, originally from the UK, oh, um, awesome. but big fan of Mick. And uh, wanted to know how you feel about the future of Australian surfing and reps uh, and, and guys repping on the tour. Um, yeah, look, it was. Um, it, I think everyone sort of was in, you know, a rebuild phase. Um, but then you got a kid by the name of Morgan Sibelik who's just come on and just blown the doors off. Um, so yeah, look, I think. I think he's going to inspire a lot of kids. We've got a, a lot of young kids that are, are starting to put things together. And, um, yeah, and then the girls' side, it depends if we can, um, you know, we've got Molly Picklem who's coming on. Um, if she doesn't qualify this year, then, yeah, I'll be baffled. She's incredible. Um, surfed a bit with her over the, over the last winter. Um, and then depends on where... Sierra Kerr goes if she's going to be an American or if she's going to be Australian. So <laughs> if we can keep her in Australia, it'll be great. But um, yeah, look, I'm pretty hopeful that we've got some great, some great kids coming through. And um, yeah, I think Morgan's really leading the charge and um, inspiring the next generation to really give it their all and and not be uh, shy from you know the big guys. Thank you, thank you, Chris. Oh, oh, yeah, you can. All right. Hi, my name's Connor. <laughs> Where uh, are you from? I'm from Santa Barbara, California. All right. Um, Mick, would you be stoked if your son was a professional surfer? Do you think that having a son, like, how are you going to approach that as a dad? Um, yeah, look. It, Congratulations on you, Oh, thank you. Yeah. Cheers. Uh, I just took him surfing just now. Uh, yeah. <laughs> that answers the question. Yeah, <laughs> look, um, I'm... Whatever he wants to choose, really. Um, it's whatever he does want to do. Like he's he's chasing my surfboards. He's um, all over skateboards. He just started hitting balls with a golf club. So I don't care what he does. Uh, my one thing is I just don't want to be a soccer dad. That's my one thing. And if I become that, I'm going to eject myself. <laughs> a good answer we had one more question from the audience come up here we'll do that and then we'll get to the instagram ones brandon from seattle all right um question about the heat length like if the sets are coming in every five minutes what's your ideal length for a heat um I, I was really accustomed to 30 minutes um i sort of went to a point where Pretty much my, I would only surf in 30 minute blocks when I was on tour, um, just to keep that intensity up. But I feel like once you start going into like 40 minutes, 45 minutes, it's more like a free surf. So I get lost. Um, so yeah, I'm happy 30, 35 minutes. A good question. All right, we, we are live at the moment on Instagram and we have three questions that we whittled down here. Uh, first one's from Veronica Miller, two, three, four, five, six. Question is, now that you aren't competing on the championship tour, does life feel more balanced emotionally for you? Well, I don't have the crazy anxiety that I would wake up with every day. And I, I, I didn't realize that I had it until, um, 
until I actually left the tour. Um, but the anxiety, it's not like a, a, a depressing anxiety or a, an anxiety that I was, um, you know, crippling or anything like that. It was more, what's, what's the waves doing tomorrow? Am I ready? Am I going to be at 100%? Are the, you know, just everything, it was all based around um, competition really. And, um, yeah, I don't miss that. <laughs> good question all right next one is from tiago um tiago aspa um what do you miss most from being an active tour competitor um probably just the the travel and going to um seeing really cool cultures and stuff like that but i think everyone misses travel right now sure um but um yeah look there's a couple of probably a couple of waves that I would go back to just to go and um, hang out there. And um, yeah, so probably the biggest, the biggest one that, or the, the best wave that I'd love to go back to and the town that I'd like to go back to the most is probably J-Bay. It's, um, yeah, it's pretty close to my heart where I, you know, I've got lots of friends there and um, yeah, the wave's just phenomenal. So if we offered you a wild card into J-Bay next year, you would consider it? I'd consider it, yeah. All right, we'll try to dial that up. We can come back for a lineup live. We'll do it live. Isn't the ultimate surfer getting that one? <laughs> TBD, buddy. There's a spot in that for you too if you want. I'm cool. I don't need to do any uh, floater contests. So I did that for 17 years on tour. <laughs> Last question from the Instagram community is from Cheers Nicole. Question is, the Rip Curl WSL Finals is a new level of pressure. What was the most pressure-filled moment from your career? Um, dude, look, yeah, the, the pressure that's going to build up in this event is, is going to be awesome. Um, you know, I think we're going to sit there and see the best guys and girls, you know, one day. You've got to go and perform on that one day. And, um, you know, that's what makes things like the Super Bowl or the um, – of the NRL, AFL grand finals back in Australia. That's what makes them so intense is because it's one day. You've got to be ready that one day. And, and, um, and yeah, if I think about my personal pressures, you know, world title days were just, were just huge. Um, some days you felt like you, you had everything. Um, and some days you would just woke up just in total doubt. Uh, but yeah, for me, um 2013 world title that that day that pressure that day um yeah i haven't felt anything else like that great questions great answers mick fanning thank you so much for joining us on the lineup live thank you honestly as a uh, personally as well um for someone that's been really amazing inside and outside the water and Jeez. championing you know vulnerability in men and and speaking about your feelings and speaking about real things i i it's been a huge thing I think for everybody that listens to you. So thank you very much. Cheers, mate. Thanks. Yep, everyone Thanks, enjoy the uh, Rip Curl WSL finals. Thanks, buddy. Cheers. This episode was brought to you by Rip Curl, the ultimate surfing company.